Well, if you're having a crappy, terrible week, well, hang in there, because we are back with your favorite Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Muhammad, and as always, I'm joined by my homie, Jacob Redden. Jacob, how you doing today? I am doing great, Zach. You know, uh, I've never gotten my fortune told myself, um, but... Maybe, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe we can do that on the podcast and see what's in our future, Zach. Sure. I'm down to have my fortune told. I hope there's right. good things ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping that I don't, you know, hit myself in the head as often as Sokka does. <laughs> yeah. This was a rough episode for Sokka. We'll get into that. But we're joined today by a guest if you want to give them a great yeah. introduction here. Yeah. So we are joined today by Audrey Sizemore. She has not only a YouTube channel where she discusses uh, Legend of Korra uh, on Audrey S, but she also has an Etsy page. Etsy page, Odd Art for You, uh, where she has wonderful uh, Avatar The Last Airbender face masks that are all the rave in my household. You know, I wear the Firebender mask. It's very comfortable. It's great. Yeah, we are so uh, glad to welcome in Audrey. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Oh, my God. It is truly an honor to be here. Whenever you guys first came out with having the podcast, I fully, like, I messaged Jacob on Facebook and I was like, I would love to be on the podcast. <laughs> so this has been a work for me to get here. I am so glad to be on. I'm excited. Yeah, you got some big shoes to fill because our last two guests, oh like God, Chappelle, that might have been our best episode. And Amon came in hot, too. So both those yeah. guys were amazing guests. Well, if nothing else, I am... I will always be the first female guest. Oh, so true, I will true, always, true. Have always have that. that yes, uh, it'll be good. Yes. Uh, yeah, we are very excited to have you on. Uh, a nice little uh, thing that we do for all of our guests. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into the show Avatar? Would love to. So, you know, my story about getting into Avatar isn't that crazy. Just watched it when I was younger. But it's like, I have a very like addictive personality. So once I get into something, it's like, game over. That's it. So, you know, watch the whole series. Once Legend of Korra came out, I was like, oh my god, I love this too. Because by that time, I was a little older, so I could like, I knew what blogs were and stuff. So I was able <laughs> to like read the Legend of Korra blogs and all that fun stuff. So that's basically it. I mean, nothing crazy. It's just always kind of been there, you know? Yeah. So and were then, you a day uh, one viewer? Oh, sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. you. No, but, no. So you, were you watching like season one on TV when it was airing and all that? Yep. Watched all the way through all the reruns every, <laughs> literally all the time. But I would, whenever like during high school, we would have finals, right? And if you had like a B average in the class, you didn't have to take any finals. And so I would always just bring Avatar to watch like during class on my laptop, like full, like full obsession. It's very wow. real. That's a pretty yeah. uh, good setup. If you have a B, you don't take the final. That's nice. It's incredible. Or I guess it was, you know, eight years ago. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Yeah. And then I think I know this answer already, but what kind of bender would you be? 100% I would be a firebender. Let's go. (laughs) Number one, number one, I'm a Leo. So like fire sign, but like, like I would say like Azula, I'm very chaotic, just like in life. So I, I would definitely say firebender. I love it. Nice. Uh, so we got two firebenders to my earth bender. So, oh yeah, yep, there totally. we go. I'm outnumbered here, but it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> one quick thing from last week. So I know we were talking Zach about, uh, you know, 
the commander Zhao getting a promotion and we were like confused where the ranks were. Daniel wrote in to let us know that the admiral rank is actually a big deal. Uh, the, uh, the general rank in the army is similar to the admiral rank in the Navy. Uh, so that's actually very helpful to know. So essentially, uh, he didn't just get like one step up. It was like many steps. So I guess that makes sense why he became the boss of that fort. Yeah, I, I appreciated Daniel's in, um, feedback and he sent it yeah. feedback before, but I still found it kind of odd that he got like a promotion that huge considering from prior to what we've seen. He's been pretty incompetent. You know what I mean? Season early season one. Zhao is not the best antagonist in terms of strategy, but yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like, uh, you know, he's not really anything special, but maybe that just goes to show how bad the Fire Nation army is <laughs> not how good he is. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Especially because we see some of these Fire Nation grunts. My goodness. How some of these spear wielding dudes even get in? Yeah. Uh, not very impressive. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah. is there anything else you want to talk about, Jacob and Andre, before we jump into the recap? Uh, I would say one thing, one thing mm-hmm. I noticed from y'all's podcast last week is that you said another old crazy person is on this week's podcast. And I would like to argue that because she is not crazy. She is very smart because she <laughs> is able to convince an entire town to do her bidding for her. So that's my only thing from last week that I noticed. I was like, that's that is a lie. Funny. She is <laughs> very smart. You Love know what? Her. You're you're 100% right. Because when I was watching this episode, Thank we're going to get into it in detail. I didn't think she was crazy, but I did think she's an old con artist. My goodness. Like, I was team Sokka every, almost every step Perfect. of the way. I was like, Sokka's spitting straight facts here. Because, like, <laughs> she just, I don't know how she pulled the wool over these people's eyes. I've never, there's a volcano exploding, and they're like, oh no, we still believe Ad Woods. Like, whoa. I was mm-hmm. so shocked. I was like, what more could these villains And then she like, took credit for it, too, at the end. Like, this yeah. Obviously yeah. jumping ahead, but she was like, see, or the one guy was like, I mean, she was right. She yeah. predicted this all along. I was like, she's got this in the bag. Like she is, she's not crazy. She is a very intelligent. No, hundred no. percent. And on, you know what? On that note, we might as well jump into the recap, honestly. Let's so, do the, it. so the episode opens. We have Sokka trying to catch his green fish. And I don't know if you guys noticed it had a weird humanoid face. That's no, I, I did it. notice that too. Yeah. I, okay, I watched the episode it, twice and I was, each time I was like, what the heck? It was so, it was like, it was very insane. Yeah, because I guess fish do have whiskers, like some catfish and stuff. And then I don't know, it almost looked like a mustache and they kind of do a close up on it. So it must have been intentional. I'm glad I'm not the yeah. only one who noticed that. So I'm not crazy. Yeah, this fish looked a little creepy. It kind of looked like Flounder from The Little Mermaid, where it's got that like really oh. human face. Uh, <laughs> I would like, say Flounder color. if he was like fully like. <laughs> Grown like, like an adult know, flounder, like, like the horror version of flounder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah, flounder is yeah. much more cute. Calm yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It, it's flounder of your nightmares. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah this so, fish is this fish really is taunting Sokka. Like I was, uh, I was pretty pretty impressed with how good this fish is able to get under Sokka's skin. It's not that hard, I guess, to tilt Sokka, but he was he was really upset about this. I was I, actually, Oh, continue, Audrey? I fully didn't realize. So, you know, like I said, how I was a day one fan, right? I've probably seen the series in totality six times. And I never noticed until this past week, I watched this episode twice because, you know, wanted to make sure I came in fully prepared. And so I never realized when he threw the fishing pole that it was supposed to be a fishing pole. I always in my head, like I never connected that until this last time that I rewatched it, like right before this. 
because of the string that Aang mm-hmm. takes to make the necklace, I fully thought he was supposed to use it as a spear. Yeah. And so I was like, what? never, never realized, but he was struggling hardcore. I mean, yeah, he, I was just about to say, though, I got to give Sokka props because he actually ends up catching this fish with his bare hands. Like the, <laughs> the, the, the fish, because Aang uses the neck, the fishing line to make Katara a nice necklace. And then we get like that cream colored rosy filter that we've been accustomed to. And Aang's just like ogling Katara, essentially, or just eyeing her down. He's Ugh, madly I in fully, love. Yeah. I can't. I fully rolled my eyes. I hated this scene. It was really? horrible. <laughs> I, but I, I need to preface this with I'm a huge Zutara stan. And so okay. any like Ang Katara things, I just cannot handle it. She is, cause like in my first, like, in my childhood, I guess I should say, I did not like Katara at all. But like rewatching it as an adult, I'm like, okay, she has her like qualities, right? She's just so much more mature, I think, than Aang is. And so I'm just like, this moment was full cringe because he like, oh, he just, he was too nice. Like Sokka says this later on. It's like, you can't be too nice. And Aang is the like, embodiment of that of being like i don't know it's like endearing but in a bad way you know yeah i just thought it was kind of cliche honestly but i I wasn't like disgusted by like the way you seem to (laughs) be be so terrible both times that i watched it was horrible this week oh my god yeah the only line that i didn't like here is whenever katar is like how does it look and ang says you mean all of you or just your neck like that was creepy like that was creepy you're right that was the weird line that kind of took it's like oh yeah i don't don't like that (laughs) that was was a little too far (laughs) have you guys ever heard of oki noodling no, what's it, no. That? Okay. Okay. This is like a weird <laughs> thing then if no one else has heard of it. It's this thing where people catch, uh, catfish with their bare hands. Mm-hmm. They just like stick their Isn't hands that in these the holes. amazing race. Didn't the, like the first team uh, to go home this week, they were like catfish people who like, yeah. Yeah. I think that they might. Hand. Yeah. Yeah. I could yeah. Be, yeah. So they, so they like I've stick their it. hands. They like stick their hands in this hole. They let the catfish bite them and then they like pull them out. And that's kind of what Sokka had to do here to catch the oh fish with his bare God. hands. That was, it was an impressive feat from Sokka. Yeah, I, I mean, I've actually, I think I've seen clips of people doing that where they let the catfish like bite onto their hands. But this is even more impressive from Sokka because he like bear hugs it almost and like snags it out of the water like yeah. that. Especially a slippery oh. fish. So I was impressed with Sokka. To go to your Zutara point, because I guess this has come up on the podcast before. See, I, I think the reason why so much of the fan base can't see Aang and Katara together is because Aang is just very, like, he looks like, way younger than Sokka, so Katara, Zuko. Yeah. It, I don't think it's just his immature, but I think it's also his appearance. Like, if they made Aang the same age and same height, I feel like the fan base would have less of an issue with it. But to me, the reason why I never ship Zuko and Katara, or Zutara as it's called, is because what do they have? One scene with each other? Like at most, like the seed in the crystal cabin at most, but maybe. But the scene can endure a lifetime. Like it's <laughs> but then, all it takes. But then Aang and Katara have so much more. Cause a lot of people that are like, Oh, Aang and Katara don't have any build. This ep, like there's like five episodes at least like this where they're setting up the Aang and Katara relationship. They also yeah. have so Aang cringe. when he comes up. It, it's, it is <laughs> it's cringy, so but it's just cringe. a generic relationship. I almost, oh to, to be honest, I like Avatar The Last Airbender in that regard compared to Korra because I think Korra, Legend of Korra got bogged down a little bit by the relationships, you know what I yeah, mean? Totally, by all that totally. stuff. Not to get too into spoilers for that or anything. Whereas Aang and Katara, it's set up from the beginning. 
first episode, you see him come out of the iceberg. First woman he lays eyes on is Katara. He's immediately in love. And they, it's not like a huge plot, overarching plot point throughout the series. You just, you know, they're going to end up together. And I almost like that predictable. See, I was going to say, maybe that's why I don't like it. It's like too predictable. But I should preface that, like, I won't spoil, I guess, who Zuko ends up with, but I ship them too. I fully support Zuko and May like love them together I think you know they they work well together but like for the series standpoint Zutar all the way 100% yeah. well well this is not a good look for Aang so I think this might be uh one column in the Zutara uh points because yeah. whenever whenever uh Sokka's like oh hey Aang like you must like Katara so much Katara friend zones him hard she says Aang's just a good friend and a sweet little oh, guy God. just like Momo getting compared to a lemur yikes it's so bad. that was that was not good yeah, it's, it's, a, it's also- a rough episode for Aang here honestly yeah. But he, I, I also kind of feel like the gift is kind of in poor taste because it's like, he like, his intention was definitely good. I'll give him that. But like, he's trying to like give her something that reminds her of a necklace of like her prized possession when like, it'll never be what it was. So I yeah. think like, I don't know that I would be like, obviously I wouldn't be rude. I'd be like, Oh my God, thank you so much. <laughs> but it's like in my head, I'm like, he should have thought this out a little bit more. In yeah. Aang's defense, he's a 12-year-old kid. I don't even think there are that many women in the air, air village he's from. So it's like yeah, he doesn't sure. know what women like or like what's a good gift or a bad gift. So Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure halfway through this episode, Katara stops wearing the necklace. At least like it's not animated on her neck. So I don't, I, I think Katara doesn't really like the gift either because you can see that she's not wearing it most of the episode. Oh my God. Yeah. She yeah. trashed yeah. it real quick. Yeah, so while Aang's flirting with Katara, Sokka catches this fish. But then I was wondering, why didn't Katara just catch the fish? It's like Katara, yeah, 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 like, and she she does this in the first episode, so we know she's capable of doing it. Every time I see Sokka fishing, I'm just like, Katara, could you catch this fish in two seconds? One of the most powerful waterbenders in the whole series, and she never does. So yeah, it's like make it make sense because it definitely does not. (laughs) The rules are definitely not figured out right. This is another example. There's another one later in the episode where if they actually use their bending to make things more efficient, it would just be so much quicker. Like yeah, when they're, yeah. when Aang's going up the mountain, like walking, like he's just glide up, like, or take yeah. Appa. Like that's a oh five God. minute trip and he makes it like, uh, some big trip. You go fully scaling the side of the volcano. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, we, oh. we can, uh, we can yeah. back up a little so, bit. So, so. so then Aang hears somebody being attacked by a platypus bear. He hears that in the distance. And so team avatar, they run to the location and they see this old man. He's got no fear. He's definitely avoiding all the platypus bears attack. And then while that, while he's doing that, the team's giving him differing ways to combat the bear. <laughs> and then they all give him like the generic, like, Oh, lie down, bird to play dead, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They all give him like the generic bear advice. Yeah. What advice would you give to this old man? I don't. I feel like I would just be like, hope that it's quick when you die, because I would have no <laughs> idea what to say to him. Oh no! Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, so this old man has some great evasive maneuvers. Uh, he's like, you know, dodging and weaving with the skill of an airbender for sure. But I think that if I was in this situation, I would take Sokka's advice of punch him in the bill. I think that's a great idea. If you can reach up there. Punch him in the bill. Maybe you can like get the. Plastic. I feel like that works for sharks. Like that's supposed to be what you're yes. doing. Yeah, I've heard doing, that like, a shark well. attack. But I feel like the 
I don't know. It's like, how would you even reach the bill though? You'd have to like punch like upwards, and it was like, you know, like that. And I don't yeah. know, like I don't know if you'd be able to generate much force punching like above your head. You know what I mean? I think uppercut to the bill. That that's how you do it. That's my that's my take. Look, okay. If you disagree, what would you all no, do? No, no, that's no, that's a good point. I don't know. I just play dead and hope it doesn't okay. kill me. Like to yeah, be honest, yeah. <laughs> but this old man, he's got some cojones. He's got no fear, and he's not even a bender. It's revealed that, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit. That Aunt Wu told him he'd be safe, so that's why he's not scared of the bear. So my goodness, like. This guy, just because of this old con artist lady in a village, is like, okay, you know what? I can go toe-to-toe with a bear. I'm not dying on this trip. Nothing can harm me. And by God, he's just going toe-to-toe with a bear. This guy's crazy. love blind confidence. I mean, I'm I'm very big proponent of, like, you have to sell it for yourself. So his blind confidence, it's like, if that's what gets you through life go off hey it works it works for him (laughs) he's alive yeah even though uh the old man does not seem to care at all ang is very much concerned and he jumps in front of this bear and he tries to make some big show then we see the platypus bear rear up on its back legs and roar and right behind it is appa which is like appa's like two to three times larger than this bear uh, yells and the bear gets scared, drops an egg and leaves. Uh, what did you think about Appa saving the day here? MVP yet again, right? Truly, every episode he comes through, I just yeah. truly an incredible character. Yeah, he puts the team on his back every episode, no question. There's like a million sticky situations that Appa gets them out of throughout of the whole series. So yeah, I, I had one. I had one weird question to ask. Uh, how does this platypus bear species survive if they have no instinct to protect their eggs? Like as soon as this egg drops, the bear's like, "I'm out of here," and like leaves. Like that should be immediate species is dead. I guess I, it might be like birds. So like you yeah, know, birds if their fly. eggs make contact with a human, <laughs> they just abandon the egg. So yeah. it could be it could be something like that in that regard. That's messed up. I think it was also probably just like. It was probably scared, and so it just like like probably just didn't even realize that it birthed an egg. That's what I would think. Take the L. Just fully scared. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This mother platypus bear was like, "I'm just gonna take the L." (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Just disrespectful to that potential baby platypus bear. But anyway, this is uh, the next thing that happens is one of my favorite jokes uh, in this this episode. So the guy, uh, old man, is explaining like. Oh, uh, I'm totally safe. Like, uh, you know, Aunt Wu predicted that I would have a safe journey. Aang responds, Aunt who? And he says, no, Aunt Wu. And I laughed so hard. This is such a good joke. Oh I don't like, know. This is kind of like low-hanging fruit. Like, <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't no. even think it's the best joke in the episode, to be honest. It's not that bad, but I don't know if I was dying here, not going to lie. I, I paused it. I stared at Lydia and I was like, get it? And she was like, uh-huh. And I just laughed so hard. <laughs> oh, this joke. Yeah. Uh, so I, that that's all that we really have to recap is that joke. Uh, that's all I came here to say. Uh, well, pack so. it up, guys. Thank yeah, you so much up. for having me on. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, welcome back anytime. Uh, yeah, so this man, he oh, okay. leaves. Yeah, th- sorry, I'll get back on track. So this Thank man you, leaves them with an umbrella after his tussle with the platypus bear. And he says, Aunt Wu told him to give this to any travelers he, come up- he comes across. And then Katara and Aang, they open the umbrella and then immediately starts raining. And they're like, oh, this must mean like Aunt Wu's legit. Her fortune telling powers are real. And then Sokka is rightly, ske- rightfully skeptical here. Because, like, anybody can predict the weather, you know what I mean? That doesn't mean you're a fortune teller. We Just a couple episodes ago, there was an old woman who could predict that a storm was coming with her, like, old achy joints. 
So it's like, just because she knew it was going to rain does not mean to me that Aunt Wu is like this amazing fortune teller. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I guess, do you guys, are you guys like believers of fortune tellers or do you guys, are you guys Sokka side? Well, like, I think horoscopes and stuff have, like, I was always uh, not the biggest proponent of that, but then I think horoscope has some truth to it, because I was reading, like, I'm a Libra, and I was reading some of that, and I was like, you know what, I this does actually pretty much match my personality, so I can kind of see the logic with that, but with fortune telling and tarot cards, I don't know if I'm that much, I'm more team soccer there. What about you, Jacob? Uh, Well, Zach, I can tell you're Mr. Science and Reason right here. Uh, You're laying down the law. You know, I'm I'm kind of open to these things. Like I, yeah, I'm I'm probably closer to Sokka than that old guy who's gonna take on a bear. But yeah, I, I think like you know, uh, the fact that they get the um, the fact that they get the umbrella and then it starts raining is like it. Like there's something going on there. Like maybe I can't explain it, but yeah. Yeah. What I'm about like, you, Audrey? I'm fully in on like mediums. Aunt Wu isn't a medium. And so it's like a little different, but full in on those. And so I think for fortune tellers, I'm like between like fully believing in like mediums and then the Sokka, I'm like in the middle for fortune tellers, I would say, you know, okay. yeah. it's like, I could see that there, obviously there are like quacks in every field that you go into. So I feel like a lot of people are probably not legit, but I think most, not most of the time. I think there are probably that handful of people who are like, they actually know what they're doing. See, see, I agree with that. And I think there are genuine, legitimate fortune tellers. But I think Aunt Wu is not one of those. I think she's a a full snake oil saleswoman. And I think she has, she probably has some way of predicting the weather and then is like, oh yeah, um, I, I just saw this in my crystal ball or whatever. Like, I think she's fleecing these villagers 100%. I actually, I don't know yeah. about that so much. Like, we'll, we'll get to it a little bit later, but she does have like one moment where I was like, maybe she's telling the truth. Like, maybe she can actually do this, but. but that's funny because there's one moment where like Legend of Korra like debunks something that Aunt Wu says. Like later on, but we'll get there once she mm. like says it. Okay, because it's interesting. I don't know that, so I'm I'm interested to see what that point is that they debunk. Yeah, well, Sokka, you know, is here. He's super annoyed. He's claiming everyone can predict the rain. It's really easy. And he's like, I'm going to say it's going to keep drizzling. And obviously, it stops raining as soon as he says it. It becomes a beautiful, sunny day. I wish I had that power to do, like, the anti-weather forecast. Oh, my God, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, like, I would be like, oh, it's going to, like, uh, you know, be raining and crappy, crappy today. And then it's just, like, beautiful day, 70 degrees. Oh, my God, yeah. That'd be amazing. I also yeah. just love the pettiness of, like, the people who made the series to like make it so like so abrupt. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. And then, so in the next scene, they move on to Aunt Wu's place. They come up to it. And this is why I say she's a snake oil saleswoman because she's got an expensive look in place. These are some nice digs for a fortune teller. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Especially compared to some of the other places we see in the Avatar universe. Like we see like in season two, Zuko and Iroh come on, come across some like earth nation, like, crap crappy villages not gonna lie whereas this is a nice ass building you know what yeah I mean? it's amazing yeah. and mang can i just say she has the full setup if i could have a job where i literally just had to go like <laughs> certain like not like not like a restaurant style but she like just is like do you guys need anything are you guys good what a dream yeah love her also she's much more okay we're gonna just jump right into it mang <laughs> is a lot better pair for ang than Katara ever is at this point in time because they just like they're you can just 
have it's a vibe they just have that same vibe where they like all they care about is like ang wants to know if katara loves him mang wants to know if ang loves her and i'm like y'all just need to love each other like take katara out of it y'all need to come together but it's just ages are better together i'm like you're you're right, but then also Aang's just been smitten with Katara for like what, like months in their universe now. They've been traveling together for so long. So I doubt Aang's gonna fall for any other female anytime soon. And in fact, I don't think Aang even has any like romantic pairing with anybody else throughout the whole series. Yeah. Nope. Uh you know, he has lots of people that like him. You know, we have Mang here, uh, we have Coco who is in the uh in the Warriors of Kyoshi episode. Lots of lots of fangirls of Aang, but he's not really interested in any of them. Yes, yeah, so, oh, continue, Jake. Yeah, I was curious. So, uh, one of Mang's reasons why she says that they belong together is because Mang rhymes with Aang. Do you think that that's a benefit? Like, I actually think that's bad. I don't want my significant. I don't other even think that rhymes. <laughs> yeah, that's like when Taylor Swift and Taylor Lautner were dating at one point. They, I was right. like, how traumatic to have the same name. <laughs> As someone that you're dating, I, that I is could weird. Never, I could never. Yeah. And by the way, Meng is actually voiced by Jesse Flower, who also voices Toph. Because as soon as Meng was talking, I was like, why does her voice sound so familiar? And then I looked it up. So, yeah, this is Jesse Flower's first appearance in Avatar. Then, of course, she'll come back and be a recurring character. Yeah, it's nice to get a little taste of, uh, of Toph, even if it's just like the same voice actor, not the same character. It's funny because Lydia said that they would be such good friends, Mang and Toph. And then I looked up who played Mang and I was like, oh, I guess they'd be good friends because they're <laughs> the same person. So uh, good yeah, call true. there. Love the foreshadowing. Yeah, so Mang notices Aang and it's love at first sight, even though like Aang's picking his nose or like wiping his nose. And we get like the same rosy colored filter that we got at the beginning with her perspective of Aang. Yeah, and yeah. one of the reasons why uh, Mang and Aang think that they, or yeah, Mang thinks that they belong together is because Aang has some big ears, and she makes fun of his ears again, which, oh that's rude. Uh, this is, is now the second person that's ears have gotten demolished in this series. And he doesn't even have particularly big ears, so I don't know why that's such an insult in the Avatar universe. It's like, instead of cussing at people, they're just like, oh, you got big ears, and it's like, those yeah. are their fighting words in their world. It's just so awkward because I feel like we've all had the moment where we like try to say a compliment, but it just like fully backfires. <laughs> but one time this lady at work, she told me she was like, when she was trying, she was like, this is going to sound rude, but it's a compliment. She was like, you, when you, I hear you speak, I don't think you have substance to you. And I was like, excuse <laughs> me. I was like, what are you trying to say? And she was like, no, but it makes you like, once you do hear you talk, like you become so relatable. And I was like, I'm going to just go with like, you had good intent with this phrase here, but I can, fu- I like fully wow. relate to Aang in this. Cause like, it's so awkward. It is. Yeah. So yeah awkward. Your, your coworker, I don't know if she, maybe she had no substance or something. She was projecting oh that onto you, but that's a very odd thing to say to somebody. Yeah. hundred percent. It that was so awkward. I- I was about to say that I told a coworker yesterday that whenever he explains things, it makes them sound much more clear than they actually are. <laughs> and then he was like, was that an insult? And I was like, no, like I, I like that was meant to be good. It just like came out terribly wrong. So I totally right. relate to that. See, but that's actually kind of complimentary, though. You're just saying, like, he's good at explaining complex stuff. Whereas yeah. Audrey's co-worker and Meng here, they're Fully just... read me to filth. I was like, well, <laughs> thanks, girl. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So 
Qatar and soccer, they're still at odds over where their fortune telling is legit. They're bickering about that in this scene. And I'm still team soccer here. Like, Aunt Wu predicting the weather right is not enough for me to buy into her fortune telling. And then Mang, she brings Ang some bean curds and almost drops them on his, like, bald head. <laughs> then she blushes and runs away. And I like how as soon as Mang leaves, Sokka just, like, snatches the huge bowl from Ang and just starts chowing down. Yeah, very much a relatable Sokka moment here. Oh, my God, yeah. Totally. Yeah. We also see uh, a lady come out and she was just told that the person that's going to be her one true love is going to bring her a big uh, or a rare panda lily flower. This will come up later in the episode. And uh, it's then that we hear that Mang uh, is going to fall in love with a big eared guy. And that's why she thinks that Aang and her are meant to be together. Uh, yeah, I think Mang, if she's trying to woo Aang, one thing she's got to do before she does anything, just her hair. Her hairstyle is like wild. You know what I mean? The too long, like, is it, what would you call that? Is that a pony? It's not a ponytail, right? Like, what's the term for like, pigtails? It's not it's like pigtail braids. It's like a four, it's like two four feet pigtail <laughs> braids on each side of her head. And I don't know. It's just kind of like, I bet she looks so much better with a more traditional hairstyle. I'm I sure like there's, hair. Someone, there's someone out there who is going to find so much joy in her unruly hair. No, so 100%. I say keep the hair, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got yeah. this, girl. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just saying I, if, I she like wa- if she wants to woo-ang in particular, oh, yes, like, yes, I think yes. that's a change she could make in the right direction. Yes. Yeah. Well, then we see uh, Aunt Wu come out and she asks which of the three of them are going to get the uh, fortune told. Sokka has no interest. Aang looks at Katara and Katara goes in. Then Aang becomes a little creepy here trying to, uh, you know, be interested <sighs> in uh, hearing Katara's future. I thought this was a little bit of an invasion of privacy. Uh, do, do, does anyone else think that this was inappropriate by Aang? No, yes, totally. I, I, th- I think it is an invasion of privacy, but it's not surprising. Aang's Aang, always has like this childlike curiosity for everything, so it's like within his character to do something like this. Still, but I, don't know. I yeah. just, I, I, there's a part where Aunt Wu tells Katara that she is going to be quote with a powerful bender, right? Mm-hmm. And so Aang takes this that that he, they're talking about him, but in my head, I'm like, I wouldn't classify Aang as a powerful bender just because like since he's the avatar I feel like he's like in a separate group which is why um, I like to think that she was referring to Zuko I feel like you might be uh, showing your bias there a bit I but this is, this is fair uh, Katara is told she's going to marry a powerful bender Aang starts celebrating, but it might be celebrating too soon because so far Zuko, Aang, even Haru uh, are all powerful benders. They're all in the clear. They're all still in the running. So I'm not entirely sure that uh, that it has to be Aang. Like, Aang's yeah, I, ag- I agree with you, and I'm surprised Aang took this as a sign. Like, oh, it's 100 percent me. Like, I'm I'm surprised he didn't think like, oh wait, there's other powerful benders we've interacted with. Like, exactly. Aang's pretty confident in his bending abilities. He's like, oh, there's no other powerful <laughs> bender. It's me. I'm, I'm the powerful. <laughs> like, that's kind of what surprised me is that Aang just straight up ran with this. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I guess and then I love the confidence, but it's like. Oh God! I just Aang is not my favorite character, <laughs> as we can all tell at this point. But really, so even throughout all your rewatches, you just have a disdain for Aang. I yeah, it, mainly the like initial like I don't 
have a particular love for Katara. I don't have a particular love for Sokka. Y'all love Sokka every week. It's like the funniest thing to me because y'all are like, Sokka, he becomes such an amazing, like, uh, person for the battles and stuff but you're like but he is a little you know i feel like we're hard on soccer honestly (laughs) every week i laugh to myself because i'm like you can just tell that they have such like a soft spot in their hearts for soccer maybe that's just a me thing but yeah i don't really love the original three that much they're not my favorite no like oh continue i was just gonna say like zuko love toph love azula love but see i agree with you because i think i'm more i saw chappelle tweeted us um gray delil the voice actress for um azula like delivering lines in costume and yeah, i think yeah. especially every time i rewatch i gain more and more of a love for azula and toff is my favorite of the gang so i kind of agree like azula toff and iro are probably my top three favorite characters but oh God, i think yeah, sokka does evolve into a great character and i don't hate guitar and egg like <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying you hate them but but like you do seem to have a surprise. I've never heard somebody who actually has a disdain for Aang. Like most people who watch the show, like everybody likes Aang almost. So I'm kind of surprised by that take. It's interesting. It's just, he's just like, I think people give him too much of a pass. Like he's just like annoying. I think he like, he like, sure he's 12, but I guess that's like, I shouldn't say that. I was probably very annoying at age 12. <laughs> but like, I feel like at this point he's just, he should, from what he's gone through, he should be a little bit more mature. Yeah, I actually think that that's what I like about Aang's character. Like, no matter what he goes through, he's still going to be optimistic. Like, he has a huge responsibility. He's going to have to, you know, have good and evil fight against each other in the culmination in this uh, series finale. But even still, he's just interested in, like, you know, writing the animal or you know, doing something silly. And I feel like that's what makes him a good character is that he has that childlike exuberance despite it being like really serious situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to sum it up, Jacob. I agree with all of that. Well, we get to see Aang walking back from hearing this uh, fortune and he looks elated. And Sokka says, looks like someone had a good bathroom break. (laughs) Yeah, and this was so confusing (laughs) to me. So like, does Sokka think Aang is genuinely happy because he had a very relieving bathroom trip? And like, why would you assume that about it? Like, who walks out (laughs) of the bathroom like, oh man, I was in so much pain going in, but now I feel great. Like, nobody walks out of the washroom like that, I feel. No, no, no. That is exactly what Sokka does like this if it was any other character I would be like eh not very believable but because it's Sokka who's like oh you you had a good bathroom like that's why you're so happy I believe it completely totally Uh, but then uh, so then Aunt Wu comes out and she says uh, okay who's next Sokka says uh, that he'll come and she just like destroys him right there in front of his friends Saying that his life is going to be full of struggle and anguish, most of it self-inflicted. Uh, yeah, that's rough to hear, especially among oh, everyone. Continue. I have a question for you guys. Do you guys think she said this? Because now, by the end of the episode, we know Aunt Wu is like basically full of crap. Like a lot <laughs> of her fortunes do not come to fruition. So my question is, do you guys think she said this to Sokka knowing like, oh, Sokka doesn't believe my fortune? Well, I'll just poo-poo all over him then. Is that like, was that her intention here? I think it's just like a vibe, you know, like I feel like you definitely get that from Sokka. And I think the parts that like I can relate to most with fortune telling is like, I don't know that it's necessarily like, like later in the episode, Katara takes it too far of being like, well, what am I going to eat tomorrow? What am I going to do that? But I think fortune telling is a lot of like 
directing in a certain direction. And so I think like, she's just like going off of like the vibes she feels and being like, I can sense that this is the direction that you're going to be going in. So I'm just going to tell you this. Yeah, that's true. It's a lot of like law of attraction, like yeah, manifesting yeah, yeah. it and stuff. Yeah. And what, what she says is kind of accurate for Sokka. Like even through this episode, like he does many things that cause him pain and they are self-inflicted. So like, uh, she is able to accurately read, uh, Sokka pretty well. Uh, the next oh, yeah. thing that she does is she tells Aang to come in and she decides to pick a bone and throw it on the fire. The cracks will reveal Aang's, uh, future. I was surprised that Aang was so down to do this as a vegetarian. Like, it seems like a waste, but... <laughs> I didn't even think that. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so then Aunt Wu sees a great battle in his future between the forces of good and evil. It's really dramatic. Uh, and, like, Aang has... He does not care. Uh, he just yada yadas it. He's like, I know yeah. already. Well, he already knows he's going to fight the Fire Lord. <laughs> he's yeah, like, get exactly. to the love stuff, which is pretty okay. hilarious. But, but Aunt Wu does not know that Aang is the Avatar yet. So for her to actually be able to get this fortune, I think this is, I think this is evidence that Aunt Wu might have some sort of special powers. That is pretty good. That's true. I mean, I feel like she can kind of, I don't know. I feel like the tattoo on his head is kind of might be a giveaway. (laughs) That's what I always assume. Like, how do these people not like see his tattoo and think, Oh, there's something off about this man. Like he does not look like one of us. He's got a tattoo on his bald head. Like, so I think, I think she might've known he was an avatar. No, no, maybe, maybe she did it. Honestly, who knows? They don't really reveal, but that was what I got when I watched it. Well, she clearly is pretty good at reading people because she notices that Aang's disappointed that there's no love in his future. And she picks up a small bone fragment and says like, oh, yeah, like this means that if you trust your heart, then you'll be with the one you love. And she like gives him so that generic. Hope. Yeah, it's but, a very it generic. Is sweet. It, it is sweet. Because, yeah, like, this was you a can good tell character. he's upset. Mm-hmm. This was a good character moment for Aunt Wu. That was actually nice of her to do. So I agree with yeah. you, Jacob. It was sweet on her part. Yep. Uh, so he's then, too smitten. He's too smitten, and then he just wants to know if he'll marry Katara or not, and that's the answer she gives him. And then they leave to the town square, and Sokka's—he's the only one who's unhappy with his prediction. He's like, "Aunt Wu's fortune telling is a big hoax, etc., etc." And Aang and Katara—they're both a lot more pleasant. They're like, "Oh, we got love in our future." Blah, blah, blah. Katara thinking she's going to end up with a powerful bender. Aang thinks he's going to end up with Katara, and they're all super the on cloud nine. The thing that annoys me about Sokka this episode is that, like, he he's against it, but, like, not in a fun way. Like, I think most of these, I don't know, maybe this town isn't a very good example, but, like, I think when I think of fortune tellers, I think of it as, like, a fun thing to do. And so when people are like, oh, my God, I don't believe in that, blah, 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 I'm like, it's literally just me, like, having a good time. It's not hurting anybody. And so that's just, like, all I can think about when I think of Sokka this episode. I'm like... Let them live. What are they doing to harm you? But, no, yeah, that's true. Comes- Especially in the scene with the guy with the red shoes. It's like, who cares? Like, let, let yes. him live with that. You know oh what I God. mean? So that's a, that's a good point on your part. Yeah, he does poo-poo on the fun a bit. And I think it's nice because Sokka usually is like the, like, you know, straight man, like always being like serious in the midst of like complete absurdity going on around him. And I kind of like those jokes where he's like just pointing out how crazy the things are. But in this, like, it does seem a little bit too much. Uh, yeah, he's also he, compatible with all the villagers. Too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Aunt Wu comes out to read the clouds. Uh, this is, um, you know, a group of people all gathered together. And Aunt Wu goes and she sees the clouds and she tells the fortune of the entire village for the year. 
And uh, yeah, I think that we get maybe into more of the skeptical area of Aunt Wu's powers because it seems like she's just like pointing at random stuff and saying random things. Uh, yeah, and then Aang sees a fluffy bunny cloud. He's like, ooh, it's a fluffy bunny. But apparently, and then someone, one of the villagers is like, fluffy bunny clouds forecast doom and destruction. How do they come to this conclusion? Did like a fluffy bunny cloud hover over them one day and then the sky sort of raining meteors? Like, how do they yeah. know that this like signifies doom and destruction? It's like pretty specific too. Yeah, in this one, it's kind of like a, why would you risk, like, impending doom to just rely on Aunt Wu? Like, I feel like this is the an instance where it's like, okay, this is when it does go a little too far. Because it's like, if you are able to climb the mountain, why not just climb it? Like, And it's not even that far. Like, Aang and Sokka are able to cl- climb it in less than a day. So it's like, yeah. I don't understand. Even if you believe everything Aunt Wu says, why would you not climb up the mountain? And I think <laughs> all the other stuff Aunt Wu does, like, who cares? But this is actually harmful. Because, like, yeah, had yeah. Team Avatar not come to this village, this would have been Pompeii 2.0. These people yeah. are dying in this volcano. Like, they're it's getting... Sort of- it's okay, sort of like a hedge your bet situation. Like, sure, Aunt Wu can tell you things are going to be fine, but you know, why not go for a walk? Get some exactly. exercise in, make sure that, you know, you get that cardiovascular health up and you can make sure the village is going to be okay for a year. But, uh, no avail. Um, whenever that, yeah. So they explained that they used to have to go up and look at the volcano every year and now they don't have to because Aunt Wu's been there for 20 years. I was wondering, why did Aunt Wu move here? If she's such a good fortune teller, then wouldn't she have stayed in place? Or maybe she got caught telling a few lies. Yeah, she, she got ran out of the last town she was in. They saw through all her BS and just ran her out of town with pitchforks and a mob. At least that's my head cat in here. Because I th- like I say, I think, she, I think she's selling snickles. Like, I think Aunt Wu is intelligent. I don't think she's crazy, honest. I think she knows what she's doing. She's like, oh, these villagers are easily manipulated and she can just make a bunch of money off them and live in a nice place have Meng as her assistant like she's got it good in this village honestly i honestly i never realized that in my head i was like this girl has been living here her whole life she's got them <laughs> on lock i never even realized that she like would have had to move there yeah yeah so she she has to move and she's about to tell these fortunes but before Meng tells ang that the clouds look like a flower Aang seems completely disinterested, then shoves her with two hands, a little aggressive in my opinion, and then tells Katara, hey, look, it looks like a flower, and uh, Katara's not having it. Yeah, part of my language here, this is one of the biggest dick moves I think oh we God, see from yeah, Aang totally. in the entire series, though, because this is out of character for Aang, to be honest. It's just like he just turns into like, I'm like... He's so mean, rude. Like, dude, bro. He shoves her with two. And, like, he's not even listening to what she says. He's like, yeah, I guess. He shoves her with two hands. He like shoves her head, too. And then he's like, he brushes her off and asks Katara the exact same question. Oh like God. 100% disavow everything Aang yeah. does in this scene. Yeah, it was a, it was a little bit on the harsh side. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Aunt Wu comes up. She reads the village. She says that the arrow is for a good harvest. The moon is good for twins. And the village is safe for a year. Uh, so that's that's some pretty good news. Yeah, the uh, cumulus cloud with the twisted nub. That's what means the village will just not be destroyed by the volcano. Yeah, yeah, that one seemed like she was just grasping for straws there. The arrow actually looked like an arrow and the moon looked like a moon, but what can you do? Yep. 
Then yeah. Aang tries to like profess his love to Katara, but she's too enthralled with Aunt Wu, and she's not even listening. And you know what? Aang deserved this for shoving poor Mang. Like, cause even if totally. you even if Mang, you don't like Mang or you don't want to reciprocate those feelings, that doesn't mean you have a right to treat her like crap and like shove her with two hands. Come on, that was a lot harsh to me personally. This is where this is where Mang loses me because it's like at this point, girl. You need to realize that there, yeah, you need to move on. He is not all that. So that's the only part where Mang, it's like, come on, girl, you can do yeah. better. Yeah, I, I, I agree here. Aang also picks an absolutely awful time to confess his feelings. And he says such an awkward way. He says, I like you, but more than normal. Like, I don't know what a good way to confess your feelings for a friend is, but I promise you it's not that. Yeah, it's just it, weird. I don't know. It's so awkward. I cannot handle this whole episode with Aang and Katara's like love or whatever. I just can't handle it. It's too uncomfortable. No, yeah. I agree. It was pretty cringe the whole, honestly, like throughout the whole episode. And I think that's like because Aang is so young, he's never even flirted with a female before. He's never courted a female before. But I think it's rough viewing on his. And I think when they're like in season three, when they're ramping up their relationship more, then it's like, not as cringe almost when Aang's like a little more flirtatious yeah. near the tail end of season three when it's like, okay, you know, they're both in love with each other. But this episode, planting the seeds for that stuff, ah, it was rough viewing. Honestly. It was so bad. Because <laughs> it's like, I'm yeah. like physically cringing at some of the stuff Aang says and does. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it reminds me of like having middle school crushes and, you know, just being so bad at, uh, at getting it across. Yeah. Anyway. Also- also, oh. Sokka keeps telling Aang to, like, be aloof. Yep. That's horrible advice. I'm like, if you aren't going to be direct with me, like, don't even bother. I can't handle the aloofness. I thought yeah. it was, I I, thought I, it was I, horrible. I, I agree. With, and I, I will, we'll talk about that when we get to that scene, because I agree with you completely. I think Sokka's advice was absolutely terrible, but we'll get into that. So we'll keep moving on. Katara wants another reading about the man she's supposed to marry. And I will oblige her. She's like, you know what? I like Katara. I'll give her another reading. Then while that's happening, Sokka's determined to prove Aunt Wu's predictions wrong to these villagers. And then Aang makes the point that, like, you kind of made Audrey, where it's like, eh, they seem happy. Like, if it ain't broke, why fix it? And then that's when Sokka also comes across the man with the red shoes and the man tells him, oh, and Wu told me to wear these shoes because it'll help me find true love. And then Sokka's like, well, if you wear those shoes every day, then that prediction will obviously come true. So it's like that has nothing to do with Aunt Wu. See, I think that this guy is making a mistake because if I actually believed Aunt Wu, then I would only wear those shoes when I'm going to like a billionaire conference or like something <laughs> like that. Like I would yeah. only break out those shoes when I'm about to like meet the elite. So I can like, yeah, fall totally. with one of them. you know, you, oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. He's just, so a lo- he's just, an, he's an incel in the avatar universe. There's no love in his life. He'll take any woman. So he just wears those red <laughs> shoes every day. He doesn't care who it is. See, if he was smart, he would only wear it when he goes to like a Fire Nation ball or something. And then like, <laughs> oh my God. Marry, yeah. Uh, Mary the desperation yeah. really jumped out. Yeah, and then the, Sokka's advice to this man just made him even more blissful because he's like, wow, it is going to come true. Thanks. <laughs> and then Sokka's like enraged that he kicks a rock in his fury, which hits a swan off screen. And then the swan attacks him. And I just liked how the swan sound effect sounded like Donald Duck. That's what that cracked me <laughs> yeah. up. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. The, the ducks were, were really strong in this episode. They, I feel like they came up a lot because there was a part uh, later on where the duck just quacked back at Sokka. But honestly, yep. he deserves it. I am yeah. team duck all the way. 
No, true. He, I mean, he gets the rock and it hits a duck in the head. So I can deserve to get it. And I also like how he's attacked and like the duck, the duck swan thing is like attacking him and Sokka's like crawling off screen. I found that hilarious too as he's getting attacked. There's a funny little gag in the background here. Yeah. So then we hear more about the fortune telling and we get into some really weird details. We're hearing that uh, Katara is going to have her third great grandchild before she dies. And this is where the lie comes in. Well, it's not the lie because as anyone who has watched Legend of Korra know, Katara is... Spoiler spoiler alert ahead. Spoiler, spoiler. Katara is... Well, I guess this is only episode one you find this out. But Katara is a very old once we get to Legend of Korra, and by that time, she only has three grandkids. Like, fully wrong. I was like, oh my god, I feel like I, I just cracked the code, but, yeah, that's the I, I, I thought I thought that when I saw this, too, because I was like, oh yeah, like, Milo and all of them are um, her, they're her grandkids, but it also could be that the writers at this point in time of season one, they hadn't established, like, the they Korra probably had lore. No idea. Exactly, exactly. They had no so they're like, ah, we'll just make Katara have three grandkids and the f- great grandkids in the future. So yeah, I guess. Yeah, but so then she gets into more weird stuff. And honestly, yeah, this is not what fortune telling is about. She's like asking about what fruit she should be eating, and yeah, I this this was lost on me. It seemed uh, it seemed like Katara took it way too far. Yeah, I think Katara is just so enamored with the idea of having her fortune told and like having her future laid out in front of her, like knowing every single thing that's going to happen. And even Anne Wu's tired of it too. She like locks Katara out, like slams the door in her mm-hmm. face. Because Katara's like, oh, what should I eat for breakfast tomorrow? Papaya or a mango? And then Anne Wu's like, papaya, and just slams the door. So, yeah. Yeah, well, now we get Aang asking advice from Sokka, and this is one of Sokka's worst looks. Uh, you know, in the first few episodes, he's a little sexist. Here, he gives some terrible advice. He says, being too nice is a mistake and that you need to act aloof. Uh, the whole time, Sokka thinks that he's giving advice for Aang to flirt with Mang, but really, Aang thinks that he's talking about Katara, so there's a little bit of a misunderstanding here. But no matter what, this advice is bad. Yeah, I'm so a sing- I'm a single man, so maybe and maybe Sokka knows something I don't because he ends up wooing both Suki and Yue later on in season one. But I just thought this was horrible. <laughs> it's like it's so a bad. woman will never know that you like her if you act like aloof and whatever the way Sokka is describing to act to Ang. Like I don't think this is good advice at all. And like honestly, I'll give him the too nice thing. Like there, I think there is such a thing as someone being too nice, where it's just like at that point you can't even like take them seriously you know (laughs) like obviously be nice whatever but like once it's like too much it's too much but yeah if people just need to be direct i can't handle the the runaround (laughs) no same same yeah and the guitar is still oh continue continue, yeah i do think the one funny joke is here that meng walks up to them and is like hi ang and ang just like walks away and (laughs) that was funny he's got game like he was so impressed (laughs) yeah Sokka's so wowed by that yeah have you guys have you guys heard the song uh nice guys finish last um on it's on youtube i forget who made it, it <sighs> like a super old youtube video i think i've seen it before. yeah it was like Kevin Jumbo or something. oh my god i hate that phrase it's so like it's just like too emotional for my liking like stop being like so into yourself to be like oh my god i'm such a nice guy i'm no, I, no, I, 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 it was, but i was like that era wrong. of the internet when that was so common like oh i'm a nice oh, guy girls only like me guys blah 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 like 
Okay, but I, this, this song is so good. So definitely look it up <laughs> and have a good laugh. I remember seventh grade, I would like have this in my head and I'd just be laughing oh so God. hard at the jokes. Anyway, that brought me back. No, I, I remember that song and it was, it was kind of like a parody of that nice guy's exactly. finished last yeah. trope. So yeah, solid yep. song. So Katara is still busy annoying Aunt Wu with her readings. And then, um, oh, no. So this is when Aang actually drags Sokka up the volcano because he sees the woman get the panda lily from her beloved. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I got to get uh, Katara panda lily right now. And Sokka's like, oh, it's pointless to give girls flowers until you're married. Which, again, I think is like bad advice. Like you can give a girl a flower anytime. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait till like, you're married to give a girl a flower. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's like who cares? Exactly. Not as bad as his, not as bad as his advice earlier, but still not great advice. Yeah, like life is short. A comet's about to come, and the Fire Nation's going to wipe out the entire yeah, world. Like, like, give a girl a flower. Like, why exactly, not? Exactly. Truly. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. And this is the point where I think it's just a travesty. They should use Appa. They should fly up. Like this trip should take five minutes max, and oh, instead yeah. it looks grueling for Sokka. Sokka is fully struggling. I felt so bad. I was because he would just. I'm not a hiker. I like. <laughs> I went to Colorado once and I tried to like climb a hill and it was traumatic. <laughs> I so I just like had flashbacks of that the whole time. Where oh my god, I can't even imagine because this was like a full on cliff. Yeah, I guess yeah. and it's so easy for Aang too. He can just scale the cliff. Like, I guess Appa would have made it a loss a lot faster, but Aang doesn't care. Like, he can get there pretty quick himself. We saw him in the last episode running around like Road Runner. But for Sokka here, like Aang's dragging him up this cliff to get this volcano. And look, plus, it's a rim of a volcano, and Sokka's not a bender. What if he just trips and falls in? He can save himself. <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean? Like, that's a very dangerous like, trip for a civilian. I feel like I, I feel like Aang would, uh, you know, step in there. Uh, but yeah, so as we see Aang get to the top of the volcano, he grabs one of the panda lilies and he looks over at the volcano and he sees that there's a bunch of lava. Now, I'm not really like a, a big science volcano guy. Like, I don't know a ton about this. But is this enough evidence to know the volcano is going to erupt? I was going to say I had the exact same thought. I was like, I would have had no idea. I would have gone up to the top and be like, oh, my God, this is gorgeous. I can't believe I'm seeing like active <laughs> Did you guys lava. look it up? Because I, I thought this no, too, but I, did I actually didn't do any research. So maybe if anybody's a volcanic expert in our well, listener base, they can send us in some no feedback idea. if this well, was a legitimate way to see if it's about to erupt. So, so I've seen before videos of like lava, like boiling up where it's not going to erupt and it's just going to like slowly fall out. I did not know that having any of this like lava on the surface meant that it was going to erupt soon. So like, cause I, at first I was thinking like I was blaming the first flower guy who saw the like active lava and he didn't say anything. But then I thought back to myself and I was like, yeah, if I went up there and I saw lava, I'd be like, cool. Like, sounds good to me. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, true. I would have had no way of knowing. I would have been like, well, that was a great moment in life. Let's go back down I guess, and see everyone else. <laughs> I guess Aang's well-traveled enough where he just knows, because he's traveled throughout the Earth Kingdom, the Fire Nation, all that yeah. stuff. Science so, class in the Air Nomad must be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <that's perfect. laughs> yeah, true. So then they find Katara outside of Aunt Wu's house, lamenting the fact that they, she won't, Aunt Wu won't let her in. And then they explain that the volcano's about to erupt. Like, we need to warn these villagers ASAP. Yeah, it's kind of a boy who cried wolf situation here because Sokka is saying, oh, it's going to erupt. 
and all of the villagers do not care. They do not think that this is going to happen. In fact, this is when they threw out the insult, Mr. Science and Reason Lover. And I have to say, uh, that's not a bad insult. I would actually like someone to call me Mr. and Science Reason Lover. Yeah, yeah. Are these are these villagers like Alex Jones fans? Like they just hate science and reason. They're just listening like Infowars. <laughs> like triggering. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Audrey. I was actually like angry watching these villagers. I was like, they deserve like because then later on in this scene, like Ang straight up is like, "There's do you not see the smoke billowing on the volcano?" And they're still like, "Oh, we believe in it. It's like what oh more? God. Like at, the, at this point, they'll be like drowning in magma and be like, "Well, maybe Ang Wu was wrong." Like I don't know. These villagers were just yeah. insane to me. Well, these villagers go a little bit farther because as one of the villagers is yelling at Sokka. Um, he says, can your science explain why it rained? <laughs> and Sokka's like, yeah, it can, uh, which I thought was funny. But yeah, th- these villagers seem like they have more character than those NPCs that we visited a few weeks ago. Uh, but it seems like they're like anti-vaxxers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not too much they take science seriously. <laughs> no, 100%. So that's a bad. good way to put it, honestly. Yeah, th- this is a pro-science podcast. Yes. Yes, yes Pro-science, stamp. anti-attacking <laughs> old people. Uh, yep. Those are our yep. official any of their stances. Mixed on stealing from pirates. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. Though majority is in favor of stealing. Yeah. Okay. Still <laughs> mixed. Still mixed. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm just playing. Yeah. So then Aang hatches this plan to steal Aunt Wu's cloud prediction book so he can convince the villagers with her own method. And I thought, honestly, this is a really good plan from Aang because in, I think, was it the Roku episode that we watched with Chappelle? Aang had, like, some terrible plan yeah, opening yeah. up that door. Like, Aang's plan was so bad. Like, it made no sense. Like, Katara and Sokka were basically the masterminds behind that operation. But this is actually a good plan for Aang. Like, no holes in it. It makes sense. Like, these villagers don't want to listen to science or reason, as we've established. So, instead, they'll listen to Aang Wu's horrible cloud prediction, like, method. So, makes sense. Yeah. So- so they uh, they embark trying to steal this cloud reading book. Aang breaks into Aunt Wu's house while Sokka and Katara stand guard, uh, looking out. Mang appears and seems to catch Aang in the act. But instead of getting him in trouble, uh, Mang just says, essentially, like, yeah, uh, I can tell that you don't like me. Like, it's okay that you don't like me. And... Uh, this is actually, I think, a sweet moment. He's like, yeah, that water tribe girl that you're with is really pretty. Uh, and I think that that's, that was nice. Then she says that her hair seems so manageable, unlike Mang's, which is very accurate. Uh, during quarantine, my hair has just become atrocious. So oh my God. Uh, I, I can I can relate to that. But here, Mang really steps up and gives Aang the book, uh, the cloud reading book that they need. And Mang really comes in clutch here. She, this is where she wins it back. She's direct which Asaka <laughs> is not in support which honestly go off girl she is like I understand I can read the room yeah and she, this is very, she fully went back yeah and this is very mature on Meng's part I noticed like for a very young female like what is she like 10 12 years old <laughs> she's able to acknowledge like okay Aang's in love with somebody else I have no chance here but at least I can help him out in this way and yeah like good on Meng like she'll find somebody else as Aang tells her like she'll find somebody who actually loves her love for all even with her crazy gnarly hair so 
Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, here she gives him the book. Then Aang and Katara set off to change the clouds. We get a nice little tidbit from science. The clouds are made up of water and air. Uh, I'm sure that helped someone on a science test at some point. <laughs> uh, and they start to create a symbol uh, riding on Appa's back and changing the clouds up in the air. It seems like the bad sign cloud is a big skull. And I kind of thought to myself, like, did they need a book to know that they, like a skull is a bad sign? Like they could have just hard read, like if they see a skull, a skull is probably bad. Well, I guess if it goes back to the bunny thing, like if the bunny was supposed to mean bad stuff, then I guess like who's to say what a skull could mean? Yeah, if, like, could, exactly. Because a skull could be something good because their cloud like reading makes absolutely no sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah. I, I know what you mean. Because if I see a giant skull in the sky, even in it our was terrifying. world. Yeah. The picture was horrible. Yeah. See, if I was in this situation and I saw a giant skull, uh, I would be pretty scared, but maybe Aunt Wu just thinks that a giant skull is like a party or something like that. Oh, I, I cut out for like the past like 20 oh. seconds. All right. But you One guys second. are back. My bad. You guys all froze. And I was like, oh, my gosh, did my internet right. shut off? But <laughs> alert, I'm, I'm good now. <laughs> Recording's still going. So. Uh, one second. Let's make a note. One hour thirty to one hour. I, I didn't. T- I just stopped talking. But no worries. Uh, okay. Well, we'll get back in in a few seconds. Yeah. What yeah, were yeah. you saying? Um. What What was the What was the point? You were talking you- about the skull and how yeah. the. I was saying how it was just a really scary skull. Like once it, they fully formed. Oh yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I yes. thought it was terrifying. No, I agree with you. And like I was saying, like if I saw a skull even in real life, I'd be like, yeah, that looks horrifying. Like if I see a skull in the sky today, then I'll be like, oh my gosh, the world's ending. Yeah. Well, they finally get this uh, skull. They get uh, Aunt Wu in the perfect position. Sokka tells Aunt Wu, like, hey, uh, we're going to come here and uh, like look at what's happening in the clouds. Aunt Wu sees it and she's like, oh my goodness, there really is destruction. And as soon as she says that, all of the villagers are ready to help out uh, and ready to... Uh, you know, get this next plan, avert disaster. Um, they ask for a bunch of earthbenders to help make moats, and only one of the twins from earlier is an earthbender, which like I, that sucks for the other one. When I was younger, this was like turmoil for me because I was like, oh my god, I was like, how could that be? I, <laughs> I, I just kept thinking of like the brother who couldn't bend. I was like, he's probably going through his entire life being like, why not me? I just remember yeah. so specifically being like torn apart. Because of the one brother who couldn't bend. Yeah, especially in, in Korra, because all season one is about like the the battle between like benders and non-benders. So especially like as you're growing up, that must have been like an interesting oh my complex God. that that kid Kept must have developed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for most people with twins, like they could, especially identical twins, they could like feasibly switch places. But here it'd be like, oh hey, Earthbend. It's like I can't. Like you caught me. I'm the wrong twin. Good, good for you. Like that Just would really suck. Yeah, so the plan here is that they're going to create a moat uh, so that all of the lava, instead of burning the entire town down, will then filter into the river. This plan seemed pretty smart, but as the lava starts flowing, it's like way too much lava, and the moat is just completely overflowing. There's absolutely no chance that they dug enough of a hole, and it seems like all is lost. But right then, Aang jumps up. He uh, you know, does some little air bending. He breathes air that's so cold it can turn like active lava into solid rock in a second. And he saves the day pretty yeah, impressive he, from Aang. Yeah. He's breathing some like ice cold wind. Uh, I don't know. And I'm, I, I found that I had that in my notes as well. It's like, this is so cold. It's able to freeze mag. Like that's crazy. 
Yeah. Uh, definitely one of the like craziest feats of bending that we've seen. And I think this has to be the coolest earth formation ever. Like I, I bet thousands of people will come from all over the world and think that it was like aliens that did this. They'll be like, there's yeah, no way true. that like humans could make this. It had to have been aliens. Like this puts Stonehenge to shame. <laughs> Totally, hundred percent. And then it's funny because then Sokka's like, "Oh wow, Aang is one powerful bender." And then then Katara finally puts two or two together. But that's something me and Jacob have been talking about throughout the whole series. Is like Aang is extreme. Like by far, Aang is the most powerful like person we see up to this point in the series. Like I guess the only person who could even rival him is Boomy. I think by default, though, like, you can't, like, I think power, like, he's literally the avatar, so I feel like he's just in his own, like, class. That's like, you true. can't really compare other people to him. That's like, true, he's he so powerful. That an unfair count. advantage, yeah. But even with just his airbending, like, Ang is an extremely powerful airbender, and he's so, like, innovative and creative with his, like, attacking style. Whereas, like, once he develops all the powers, yes, but even if, like, you take Ang with only airbending, I'd bet on him against almost everybody in the series, quite frankly. Like, maybe yeah. he might lose to, like, Azula or an Iroh 1v1. But and those he are, did, and he, he did. True, true, true. But those are two monsters in their own right. Like, yeah, totally. So I can't fault him for that. Yeah. Well, then they uh, celebrate with the town. They're like, oh, see, like, the town was going to be destroyed. And this is where we get the old man saying, no, Aunt Wu actually ended up being right because the town's still here. And while technically correct, I'm not really sure that you should be uh, stunting on the people who just saved you. Yeah, it's not a good look. Yeah, it's, even yo continue. I, wonder, no, but I was just gonna say it's just it's really not the it, time. And I was gonna say even if they listened to Team Avatar earlier and actually started building the moat or the trench or whatever way earlier, then they could have actually built it big enough. But instead, mm-hmm. they had to wait for Aunt Wu to see this cloud, and then they're like, okay, now that Aunt Wu said it's true, therefore we can actually finally start doing it. So I don't know. I was like, man, these villagers just. They deserve to, like, whatever fate happened to them, to be honest. <laughs> They're uh, very seems, lucky about Team Avatar. Here. It seems like instead of creating a cloud, that maybe Aang and Katara should have, like, taken water from the air and, like, made the lava stop being melted. Like, right? Like, wouldn't that have been a better use of time? Or is that, am I or thinking also, too much about right, if the if the village knows that the volcano can erupt at any time, why is then when they decide to build the moat? Like, mm, wouldn't, wouldn't they be able to think ahead in that aspect if air or airbending, earthbending has been like a thing? Couldn't they have done that years ago? True. Couldn't yeah. they also even have sealed the volcano with earthbending? Like, just plug the top of it? We, couldn't they just have put a bunch of rocks on it? <laughs> I think the three of us are geniuses. Uh, <laughs> no, because Audrey, like, what, what she was talking, I was like, oh, yeah, I just thought of this too. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, th- like this is this is completely correct. I think that we could uh the three of us together could trick an entire town and be like the totally. aunt Wu. Yeah, I wish I was at Wu in this town, honestly. <laughs> they provide me this house just to straight up lie to these people. They give me my assistant, they pay me decent, like hundred percent I'd love to be the Uncle Zach of this village and just <laughs> finesse all these Uncle villagers. Uncle Zach. I love it. Uh yeah. Uh, 
I think, uh, yeah, I think in my head canon now, you're always just going to be Uncle Zach. Even though we're like the same age. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then the, the episode's ending and then they're leaving on Appa. Katara, and then Katara says bye to Meng. And I think this is the first time we see them interact. And then Meng is very pleasant. But as they fly away, Meng gets the final line of the episode and she calls Katara a floozy. Now, this was the most shocking upset. moment of the episode to me. Cause have you got, you should look up the definition of floozy. <laughs> yeah, I don't agree with her using the word floozy but i agree with her pettiness because it's like she katara literally took away you know the person she thought she was supposed to marry and so i love yeah. i live uh, so the definition of the word floozy is uh, a bit strong it's a young woman who has many casual sexual partners or who dresses or behaves in a sexually provocative way that's a lot I know. I thought it's like, I, I was shocked when I read that definition, <laughs> honestly. And to me, this was like the most shocking moment of the episode. Because for Meg to call Katara that, Katara doesn't do anything. Like, she's not acting promiscuous around Aang. So I thought yeah. this was like quite aggressive. Also, if she Aang. was YOLO, I like, she just needed a different <laughs> word than floozy. Yeah, this was a it bit It would have been much. great otherwise. <laughs> yeah, and then yep. that, that, that's the episode pretty much ends there. So what were you guys' overall thoughts on this episode, The Fortune Teller? It's definitely better than The Great Divide, so I'll give it that. (laughs) Um, I would probably, I don't know, it's like a good episode in in terms of like, it's kind of lighthearted. It's like, I mean, I was able to watch it twice this week alone, so like, it wasn't horrible, you know? So Mm -hmm. I mean, it was fine. It was a good episode. Yeah, I like yeah. The Great Divide more, to be honest. I don't know really? why. I, I enjoyed because I guess I didn't watch Avatar when it was airing on TV, right? So I didn't have like the negative experience of watching The Great Divide on TV a bunch. And I don't know, just like the Aang Katara stuff, it's like I don't really care about it because they're going to end together. I'm not, I don't have like a visceral, like angry reaction seeing them interact, but I'm just like, ah, it doesn't really mean much to me. These villagers, I didn't care for. I'm like, man, and we was just finessing them. Like, I don't know. I was higher on The Great Divide than I am this. Yeah, I think that this episode moves pretty quickly so that I I like this one because like it seems like it's really good pacing. You know, we only have the one story of this town uh, and like we never go back to Zuko or Uncle Iroh or anything like that. And I think that this has like a good story. The side characters are good. Yeah, I felt like this moved along pretty well. I I surprisingly uh, liked it more than I thought I would. I did not think that I liked this episode as much, but it it was. uh, Yeah, it was pretty surprising. Totally. I, I did not think it was that bad. But yeah, so maybe we can jump into some listener feedback and uh, we can think about our ratings for the episode a bit more. Yeah, sure. Um, okay. cool. Who do you want so, to go first for the feedback? Uh, yeah, let's. Uh, Pat wrote in with a few questions. Um, the first one is, uh, so all because Aunt Wu tells Aang you have the power to change your own destiny, we're going to just ignore the fact that she's a huge scam artist that gives danger- dangerous advice, like telling a man to never shower and eating awful fruits like papaya. Why does she not charge for her clairvoyant services, which Katara mentions in the episode? He also remarks that in an adult version of Atla, I think Aunt Wu could be the supreme leader in a Black Mirror-esque episode. So yeah, she honestly, you- well, Pat, Pat had a lot there. Pat's a good friend of mine in real life, and I'll give him credit because he rewatched this episode, which he did not have to just to send in feedback. So shout out to Pat, a homie of mine. So let's, let's unpack his question here. First of all, I agree with what he's saying. Like she could be the occult like leader 
of yeah. some of this village. Like honestly, they pretty much revere her at this point. Like I, I'm kind of surprised they didn't even make Aunt Wu more of an antagonist here, like they do with some of the other old villagers later on in the series. I guess to Aunt Wu's credit, though, it's like everyone is always like, if you don't support a person, like don't pay any attention to them, like if they aren't doing good stuff. And so it's like, is it her fault or is it the people who are dumb enough, not dumb enough, but like who are like willing to take in what she says, like whose fault it would that be? That's true, but like they almost, they also would have all died had they listened. <laughs> I, I don't think that she means harm. Like obviously, she gets something like really important wrong. Like she says, you know, there's not going to be a volcanic eruption when there is. But it does seem like she is able to, like, you know, find some people, have them yeah. fall in love. Like she doesn't she, have bad intent. Yeah. Like she doesn't obviously. have bad intent. Yeah. And then uh, to unpack Pat's question a little bit more, he asks, why does she not charge for her clairvoyant services? I think she just doesn't uh, charge for like first time customers to get you hooked. Cause like Katara, once she hears this, she's like, Oh no, go away. But then Katara would pay anything to have more. So I think that she doesn't, uh, she doesn't charge for the first hit, but maybe everything else afterwards. No, I, I agree with you because she's got a house. She's got an assistant. Like yeah. she must be have money coming in somewhere unless she's got a side yeah. hustle, but she also just might not need to. Like, I feel like these people love her so much that they would just like set her up for whatever she needed. Yeah. That's so maybe she I at it. Yeah, maybe she doesn't explicitly charge, but she just uh, just like gets whatever she wants. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. Uh, yeah, uh, Pat also wrote in and asked, do we have any superstitions, any morning rituals, objects, routines that you feel like you can't go through life without? Zach, do you have any uh, any superstitions like that? Nah, maybe when I was very young, but growing up, I was never really a superstitious person. I watch a lot of sports. And I know a lot of athletes, like before they do any game, they have to eat the right meal. I had a friend on the basketball team before every single game, he would watch Arthur, an episode of the children's TV show, Arthur, even in our <laughs> senior year. And that was oh like, his, it was like his routine almost. He'd like go, we practice, blah, blah, blah. We'd, he'd watch the episode and then he'd, we'd go to the game. And that was, was his good? routine. Yeah, he was very good. He was like, he was the top three player on the team. Was it worth it? Yeah, he, no, that was my friend Chris. He he was actually very good. So it worked for him. But to me, I was just never superstitious. I don't care. Like, for, I could pick up a four leaf clover and like, no, I would not be that hyped, to be honest. Like, I don't know. I'm not a superstitious person myself. What what about about you, Audrey? I, I feel like I kind of am because like, even if I'll like, rub my eye and an eyelash comes off i'm like oh my god i have to make a wish or else it's gonna like be so unlucky for me or if i think something then i'm like oh i just have to think good i guess maybe it's like manifesting i'm like i always Mm -hmm. have to think good because if i think bad then i'm more likely to like have that come to me no i'm I'm, I'm like that too but i don't know if that's superstition right but i try to think positively and manifest positivity what about you jacob I I have a few superstitions. So anytime I go to a Cubs game, I wear this really old hat uh, because I think it brings them good luck. Uh, The hat's falling apart, but I like still keep it together and put it on my head. Also, anytime that uh, like I don't like click all of my joints at the same time or like the same number of times, I think I'll have like a bad day. This one's like more of a superstition, but like, you know, like I'll like click my left wrist. And if I don't click my right wrist, the same number of times I I'm convinced it'll be a bad day. So I guess I am a little bit more superstitious than I thought I was. That's yeah. a weird superstition to have. Like you I, do it the exact same number of times. I just, oh, whichever I wrist is uncomfortable. I'll just do it once. And that's like, nope. Nope. Know. 
you uh yeah you have to do both of them and then like sometimes i'll forget what count i'm on and then like i'm just like all right this day is just gonna be bad for me oh my god yeah yeah i think i think uh i guess i'm more superstitious than i thought but what can you do uh we also had lydia write in she said i would officially like to recognize what a stupendous addition mang would have been to team avatar she spends this entire episode tracking their every move, three people at once, without arousing suspicion, and keeping tabs on their motives and predicting their next moves. Her pragmatic enthusiasm balances the group well, as well as the fact that she's a non-bender. She seems self-aware enough that she'd get over her crush on Aang quickly and would totally enjoy seeing the world. I guess it's not so much of a question, but maybe I'll just ask both of you. Do you think that Mang should have joined Team Avatar for a bit? I think maybe there needed to be distance between when she joins Team Avatar. Like, you know, the quote unquote heartbreak might have been like a little (laughs) too much to try to jump in right off the bat. But I think maybe like a few weeks later, if they were like, oh, my God, we have to go back and get her. I think it would have been great. Yeah, she might have tried to assassinate Katara if she tried (laughs) to join here. I do really like Lydia's diagram that she attached where it's like, yes. <laughs> I like that she's got so the idealistic, pragmatic, calm, and enthusiastic. And then Toph is right in the middle of all of that. It would have been interesting if Meng joined and then Toph joined later. So Jesse Flower, the voice actress, would be on double <laughs> duty. The, yeah. Yeah, I thought that'd be funny too. Yeah, so uh, Lydia did have an attached diagram that had... Um, like it's a two by two grid, idealistic, pragmatic on one axis, and then calm and enthusiastic on the other axis. Uh, she has Katara in the idealistic and calm, uh, Sokka in calm and pragmatic, Aang in enthusiastic, idealistic, and then Mang fits right in there, enthusiastic and pragmatic, and she has Toph right in the center, clearly the best character. Yeah, I think we're all big Toph fans. Like, yes. I know, I, I feel like I bring up season two so much, but like, I'm just so excited, especially because the first episode I saw was the Boulder wrestling episode, mm. and that's kind of what got me hooked on the show. So, yeah. I'll, I'm always team Toph. But yeah, I don't know if Meng would be the best addition to the crew here, to be honest. And after reading a lot of Lydia's feedback, I think Lydia does get very enamored with the side characters. Like, I remember she, she was a really big fan of Haru and Katara. Am I oh, right? No, she- yeah, she loves Haru. Loves yes, him. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was surprised. Like she might be the biggest Haru fan ever. <laughs> yes, he's a good character. He's not bad. Like that was a good episode. But <laughs> I was surprised by her adulation with Haru. Yeah, it would be fun to have her do a side character ranking because I feel like she loves all of them so much. So to see where they actually fall would be fun. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you go. That's our listener feedback for this week. Uh, As always, you can write in at avatar at postshowrecaps.com or tweet at us at postshowrecaps. We love reading the feedback. Also, um, Zach is always good about posting the question thread in the RHAP patron group. To be honest, I'm not always good. I forgot a couple of weeks. I did remember okay, well, this past week, but yeah. So when I, if you're in the patron group, the off-topic one, I usually post a question thread either Thursday or Friday. So yep. be on the lookout uh, for that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, you're better at me than posting them because I, like, <laughs> I always forget. So uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's it for the listener feedback. We do love when you write in. Uh, next up is our um, episode rankings. We rank every episode between zero and four cabbages. We have my score, Zach's score, the listener score. We average them up and get the official Aang in their score. This week we have Audrey, so we'll include her score as well. Um, who do we want to start with? Does anyone have any hot takes? Uh, uh, I would maybe give it like a 3.2. It's like it's okay. like a fine, it's a good episode, like watchable. But I feel like overall, when it comes to like 
the story of the series, it's not necessarily like needed, you know? Yeah, I actually, I don't know if I necessarily agree. Like, I think it actually makes sense within the sense of the story because it's kind of setting the stage for Ang and Katara, even with their like cringe room, like Ang's cringe, like flirtation with her. But overall, I'm actually lower on this episode than even Audrey. I'm going to give this a 2.75 out of four. Oh my God. Wow. You hated it. I mean, I didn't hate, I just didn't like it as much as the other episodes. And I just felt like, ah, this is not an episode where, where in a rewatch, I'm like, man, I really want to watch the fortune teller again. And like the great yeah. divide, when I watched it, I was like higher on it than I remembered. And this, I might've even been lower on it than I remembered. So yeah, that's I, I'm at a, I'm at a 3.1 on this episode. I think it does a lot of things good. The pacing is great. Uh, I really enjoy aunt Wu and her silliness. Uh, I think Mang is like a fun character. Uh, I think that you have like silly moments, like whether it's with the fish or the platypus bear or the great joke with Aunt Wu versus Aunt Who. Uh, classic, classic. <laughs> ultimately, I think this is a good episode. Uh, it's, it's a, yeah, I think it's a 3.1. The listeners, Zach, agreed with you a little bit more. Aside oh from God. Lydia, who had this at a 3.5, the listeners were a bit down on this episode and the listener score is a 2.82. That brings wow. this episode. To a 2.97, ever so close to a three, but just falling short. Wow. I mean, 2.97 out of four, that's not that bad. It's like just a shade <laughs> under 75%. That's not the worst score ever. Yeah, it's, Though, it, it passes. I think I'll be giving it like season two, season three, there'll be a lot more like fours, 3.8s in that season. So this totally. is like low compared to those episodes. Yeah, uh, I agree with you there. And uh, no battle ranking there. So I don't think we have that segment for this week. Uh, unless we want to count Aang's battle against a volcano, which would be uh, pretty boring. But uh, yeah, so the last thing that we have is our T Quartet. And because Audrey is here, we're going to be doing something that falls a bit more in her wheelhouse. We're going to be what? doing the Cheetah Girls from the 2003 yes. movie Cheetah Girls. We love. Uh, are you guys like. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, my sister liked the Cheetah because my sister was a big Raven fan, so like that's so Raven and stuff. And the Cheetah Girls movies used to air consistently in Canada, so I've definitely seen the Cheetah Girls film. Though, admittedly, I was very young. This is like 2005, so <laughs> I don't remember it too well. I remember like Raven, Aqua, who else is yep. there? Chanel, I think, was one of the people. It honestly, I okay, real talk, I've never seen the third because I just can't, like, I'm very much, if all the original characters aren't there. I'm not as interested. And so since in the third one, Raven's not in it, I like gave it a chance, but within the first 30 minutes, they like had broken up, had gotten back together. It was just too much. And so I'm not, I have nothing to say about the third one, but the first two hold up. I could watch, I could like leave this podcast right now and go watch them and be completely content. They are great films, but I'll just jump right in. The easiest one is Galleria, played by Raven Simone. Definitely fire. Yes. Hands down. She, I think she definitely re- resembles Azula because she kind of, especially when it comes to like May and Ty Lee, Azula's like the leader and Rave or Galleria definitely takes that role within the Cheetah Girls. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end, they like revolt, May and Ty Lee revolt against Azula. So I'm like, it's clear, clear as wow. day. Wow, you're uh, you're like making real good connections between. Is, is that the plot of Cheetah Girls one? So like Raven's character Galleria rises to power, and then the rest of the Cheetah Girls revolt against her. Because I don't remember this. 
<laughs> well, they like she kind of like gets a big head, and so mm-hmm. people are like, "We can't like you're too much. Like we can't deal with you anymore. You aren't the leader." And so it's very like touch and go <laughs> with yeah. their relationship. I, I'm pretty sure she's the one who's always like so snooty. Uh, like she's definitely the most aggressive in the group. So I think that this was clear uh, for the firebender. Zach, do you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I would definitely have Galleria Garibaldi as a firebender here. <laughs> Totally. I, I would say the next easier one, because I had the two that I had, I like swapped them at the last minute. But the one that I did not is Aqua. She, I would say that she's Earthbender. Because for the other girls, I had to kind of look up like the key elements of mm-hmm. Earth, like Earth, air, and water. And so according to Avatar Wikipedia, the key to Earth bending is utilizing neutral Jing, which involves waiting and listening for the right moment to strike, which if you've seen the first movie, Aqua definitely towards the end when they exile Galleria, she turns to Dorinda and is like, you have to choose, blah, 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 blah. And so she definitely waits for her moment to strike for when Galleria is dethroned. So I would say she's yeah. Earthbender. Yeah, in spite of her name, she is yeah. Earthbender here. <laughs> yeah, <And you're>, totally. <laughs> uh, you can't just slaughter into Waterbender with the name Aqua. Her full name's Aquanet, which is a, a crazy name. Like, I don't think I've ever. <laughs> no, it's it, Aquanet. Like, what an odd. Even as a kid, I found that very hilarious, just her name. All of yeah. their names are a little, a little hairy, but I mean, they're all, they all have wild names, but I think she's got the craziest out of all of them. And then what do you think for this, Jacob? Do you agree? Do you have Aqua as your earthbender here? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a, that's a good one. Uh, like I was, I did struggle a bit with the, uh, other three. I feel like, you know, there's one clear firebender yes. and the rest yes. kind of, uh, you know, could fit <laughs> into different roles depending on where they are. But I, I do like, uh, Audrey's analysis there. Thank yeah. you. So then where did you want to go next, Audrey? You want to go to Dorinda or you want to go um, Chanel? We'll do, we'll do Dorinda because for Dorinda and Chanel, I had originally had Chanel for air and Dorinda for water. But upon further analysis, I gave Dorinda the airbender because Dorinda doesn't have parents. And so I was like, <laughs> airbenders don't have parents either. And okay. so I was like, that's the part. Like, it could, they were just so hard to like separate. Sure. And so I gave her that. And the, I also, you know, tried to back it up. And so it says airbender being almost purely defensive. Dorinda is very defensive of her situation. She lies to the girls about like where she lives, like having, uh, biological parents in her life. And so she's very like, she keeps the wall up. And so since they say here that airbenders are more on the defense, I feel like she goes there the best. Yeah. I, I had her as an airbender because I thought that she was always like a good dancer. And I kind of thought that that was like, uh, you know, like moving with the air. Like we see Aang a lot of the time as totally. he's like dodging and weaving kind of, it looks like a dance. That's kind of what I had there. Uh, it was a stretch, yeah. but I'm glad that you know, <laughs> no, she also does. Down from, too. from what little I remember, I feel like Doe, as they call her in the movie, she was like the, one of the nicer, like nicest mm-hmm. people in the group. Like everybody else is a little more combative. I feel like, like with Galleria and the whole struggle there. So yeah, yeah. I think I think and the the parent thing that's a good thing as well because 
or like foster, she comes from a foster home or something. So yeah, 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 I think having her as an airbender makes sense. So I guess that leaves Chanel as our waterbender here. Yes. I had originally had Chanel as airbender because I feel like she's the most like peaceful one amongst all the girls. Mm-hmm. But once I figured out that Dorinda is definitely the airbender, Chanel had no other option but yeah. to be the waterbender. I feel like we get into that situation a ton, Zach, where we're like, okay, these three we can like agree on. The fourth one, well, they're gonna have to default to this. Yeah, especially with yeah. like real people, because they're not as like defined yeah. into these like roles, you know what I mean? It's easy it's almost easier when we do other cartoon characters like the Ninja Turtles. I think that was the easiest easy. <laughs> easy to be honest. Like, Barely quite any research. And I was like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah, but, with any like real people, it's always tougher, I think. Yeah. But I, Audrey, I think you did a good job here. Uh, and I agree with what you have. Uh, so yeah, there you go. You, you did a good job tying it back to Avatar 2 using the analogies with Azula and all that. So good work, Audrey. Yeah. Thank you. You know, got to come prepared. <laughs> yeah. We got to step up our game in the future, Zach. Uh, 100%. More analogies. Yeah, I definitely did not have the Cheetah Girls Wikipedia page open this whole time. No service. <laughs> all my knowledge was off the dome. I'm yes. definitely studied on my Cheetah Girls lore. So, yeah, I uh, I had it up before we joined this. Uh, <laughs> before we joined this, it's in my note page right now. But I, I definitely had it up. You know, I can't come oh, out here saying things that are absolutely incorrect. Uh, <laughs> Just totally. not allowed. Anyway, yeah. next week, uh, Zach, for the T Quartet, we're going to start the Disney princesses. Is that right? Yes. And I think what we'll do, we'll do it by era. So we'll do like the early Disney princesses and keep moving forward because there's a bunch and that'll last us multiple weeks. And I'm sure like everybody loves Disney. We all know Disney pretty well. So I think we can get decent feedback on stuff. People can write in if they agree or disagree. And that's what we'll yep. do going forward for at least a couple of weeks. Sweet. Uh, sounds great. I think the first four are Snow White, Cinderella, Aurora, and then Ariel. The first three are like definitely old school, and I think Ariel's like the next one up in the list. And Aurora, is that Sleeping Beauty? Is that who that yeah. is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, make it sure. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. That'll be what we have for next week. Uh, should be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, cool. Anything else, Zach? No, I think that's it. So if you want to give us a five-star review and be a homie of the podcast, a hot man or hot woman, um, you, <laughs> I, I went a there. I was, I was about to say flamey, a hot man. <laughs> my, my, my brain's in the gutter. My how, about, how about if you'd like to join Team Avatar Podcast? Perfect. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a much, much better way to put it. My goodness. <laughs> Sorry about that. If you want to join Team Avatar Podcast, you can leave us a five-star review at postyourrecaps.com slash ATLA. So that's where you can find yeah. our feed. And you can also follow me on Twitter at ZachMohammed32. And then where can they follow you, Jacob? At JK Redman. And Audrey, thank you so much for coming on. We oh love God, having thank you. you. Thank you very pleasure. much. Audrey. Yeah. It was great having another super fan on this podcast. Yes. Uh, where can people find you? The real question is where can't they find me? <laughs> I am everywhere. <laughs> follow me. Follow my Instagram for my personal Instagram, it's Audrey Sizemore One. For my Etsy Instagram, it's Odd Art the Number Four U. And then my YouTube, Audrey S, where I cover Legend of Korra, but also other TV as well. Ninety Day Fiance, to mention one. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, stopping by, and uh, until next week, see you later. Did you plug your Etsy, all, all the, Audrey? Did you plug oh, that true. as well? 
Oh yes, Etsy as well at Odd Art for You on Etsy. Yeah, yeah, her masks are amazing. I might buy some yeah. myself. Thank you. So. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye.